0: Hi I'm Jay and welcome to my podcast. On today's episode of The Sixth form Life we're going to be going through what it means to be a part of Gen Z and basically the whole vibe of it. This is probably going to be a small episode however it's going to be very jam-packed so I'd suggest you buckle your seatbelts and listen in. Besides that let's get straight into it. So grab yourself some snacks, drinks, make yourself comfy, do whatever you need to do because this is episode 5 of The Sixth form Life. So I think the first question that kind of comes about with this subject is what the fuck is Gen Z? So let me quickly give an explanation. Now according to the Oxford Dictionaries, it describes Generation Z, or Gen Z for short, as a generation reaching adulthood in the second decade of the 21st century. The Oxford Learners Dictionary is describing Gen Z as the group of people who were born between the late 1990s and the early 2010s. Now I know that is a very vague age range, now due to more research on top, I figured out that the age range of Gen Z, like specifically, is anyone born between 1996 and 2012. Which basically means that anyone that's like, you know, just started in the workforce is within Gen Z. Now, it's good all to say, oh yeah, I'm in Gen Z, but like, what does it actually mean to be in Gen Z? Sounds vague, but it is like a proper question that people think of, because you normally think of every generation having a sense of style. Or like a sense of, oh, this is from the 60s, or this is from the 70s, due to what it looks like and what was in that time. So what would be classed as stuff within Gen Z? Like, what would be classed as that? What does it mean to be in Gen Z? That shall be answered later in this episode. Now according to The Economist, they have described Generation Z as being the most educated, well behaved, stressed and depressed generation in comparison to previous. I don't know what that means either. However, in 2016, the Favaki Foundation and populace conducted an international study examining the attitudes of over 20,000 people aged 15 to 21 in 20 countries. And overall, they found that Gen Z youth were happy with their state of affairs the most unhappy being from south korea 29% and japan 28% while the happiest hailed from indonesia 90% and nigeria 78% in order to determine the overall happiness score for each country researchers subtracted the percentage of people who said they were unhappy from that of those who said they were happy the most important sources of happiness were being physically and mentally healthy 94% having a good relation with one's family 92% and one's friends, 91%. In general, respondents who were younger and male tended to be happier. Religious faith, however, came in at last at 44%. Nevertheless, religion was a major source of happiness for Gen Z youth. In countries such as Indonesia, 93%, Nigeria, 86%, Turkey, of course, 97%, China and Brazil, both 70%. The top reasons for anxiety or stress were money, 51%, and school, 46%. Social media and having access to basic resources, such as food and water, finished the list, both at 10%. Concerns over food and water were most serious in China, 19%, India, 16%, and Indonesia, 16%. Young Indians, however, were more likely than average to report stress due to social media, 19%. Now, according to the same study by the Varki Foundation, which I stated before, the most important personal values to these people were helping their families and themselves get ahead of life, both 27%, followed by honesty, 26%. Familial values were especially strong in South America, 34%, while individualism and the interpreted neural spirit proved popular in Africa, 37%. People who influenced the youths the most were parents, 89%, friends, 79%, and teachers, 70%. Celebrities, 30%, and politicians, 17%, came last. In general, young men were more likely to be influenced by athletes and politicians than young women who preferred books and fictional characters. Slay! Slay! What the fuck?! Carrying on. Now going in the sense of celebrity culture, that was especially influential in China 60% and Nigeria 60% and was kind of irrelevant in both Argentina and Turkey, both being 19%. For young people, the most important factors for their current or future careers with the possibility of honing their skills, 24%, and income, 23%, while the most unimportant factors were fame, 3%, and whether or not the organisation they worked for made a positive impact on the world, 13%. The most important factors for young people when thinking about their futures as well were their families, 47%, and their health, 21%, the welfare of the world at large, 4%, and their local communities, 1%, bottom the list. Now, it's fine in order to just say statistics, but it doesn't really mean anything. So, this is where the question comes in of, what does it actually like mean to be Gen Z? And not even that, but what is the main objective of Gen Z? Now to answer this question, I'm bringing back an old friend who has answered the question before in my videos. So to answer this question, I'm having dear friend SK from Ireland helping me out. This is their answer. I'm not sure what generation has a main objective. We all seem to be in a state of almost panic. However, we all show that in our own way. Some people are scrambling to try and right the world that our ancestors have been ruining for us. Others are just trying to live. If there was an objective, I'd say that in a world where you don't know who's really there for you, you should probably spend time meeting as many people as possible. Grow your circle until you're satisfied and then revise that group and then narrow it down to the people you for sure actually care about and the people who actually care for you. At least then, if you don't get to where you thought you'd be when you were younger, your life will be filled with richness and fallen love. If our generation doesn't have an objective, they should make living their objective. Not surviving, but living and fully feeling alive. Which I think perfectly sums that up. I'm also going to get another dear friend and regular on this podcast, BP, to answer. This is what they said. So according to BP, Gen Z's main objective is finding new things to do in the world and exploring out more to where they've not yet experienced. An example being having YouTube be in a career or something along the lines of that which i think also counts in my opinion i think the main thing of gen z like the main objective is just to make the world more fun and to be able to give the next generation more opportunities to do stuff that we never got to at the start we are making paveways for the next generation as the generation before us did for us and the ones before them did for them so it kind of makes sense i think What we're just trying to do is live our lives like we can with having fun. This generation understands the difference between living and existing. Because if you exist, then you're not doing anything. You're just kind of a husk of who you want to be. And that's not how you should be living your life. I mean, it depends on your whole opinion of life itself. But how I see it personally is your life is like a film. You are the main character. And if you're just existing, then there's no plot to your story. Sure, there's backstory to your character, but there's no plot of your actual movie. Your movie is just, you know, 1 out of 10 rating. And you want to be able to have a movie which people can remember you by. I mean, do you want to live your life like an indie movie, or do you want to live your life like a blockbuster? I mean, for me, I'd love to live my whole life like it was a blockbuster film, you know, Hollywood and whatever. Because then I understand just how much work I put into my life to be able to get to where the end of the film is. You know, I won't remember the shit that I did when I was younger. Okay, sure, I may not have an idea of like where I want to get to by an age, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to stop trying to get to where I want to be. And if I don't get there, then tough shit, i pick something else. So at the end of the day, it kind of depends on your opinion on life, but that's mine. And this kind of brings into a whole nother part of this conversation, where it's kind of like, okay, sure, this is the objective of gen z but we are a part of gen z so what does it mean to be a part of gen z what does it mean to be that and to answer this question for me i'm gonna get a couple more people to help out first we have ja this is their answer it means we have freedom it means we are able to overcome things to fix the world and create a safe environment for everyone which is a sweet answer not gonna lie Then we have the fucking novel of an answer from a new person So this is JJ from America This is what their answer is I feel there are many things when it comes to being Gen Z From our humour, to our diversity, to how we deal with politics One thing I do know is how Gen Z has to be the generation Where we've been left to deal with what previous generations didn't care to fix Now at its worst states An example would be climate change Though from previous generations Gen Z has been ridiculed for being the most sensitive generation which to an extent is false. What our generation has done is seen matters such as women's rights, LGBTQ+, situations, people of colour and BIPOC, disabled and neurodivergence, and different religions as things to not be joked about no longer and to stand for these minorities for the long future to make a change. Though of course when I say to an extent, there will still be some people within Generation Z who due to family, since a lot of these things are taught, may not be keen on changing their views for the better. I feel as though especially after what happened after the events of June 2020 during the pandemic and when protests started happening around the nation in the US. However, of course, there are some negative aspects to Gen Z, such as the council culture. Yes, council culture has worked for many situations against bad people who refuse to change their ways and show change, but the power of council culture has been used for the worse, Have an effect of a lot of type of people across platforms who have shown change for the better through many forms of evidence but people don't see that to be true due to something they found from a person 10 years ago. Also with being Gen Z we're viewed as the generation of bringing mental health to light, breaking the stigmatization of mental issues that have been frowned upon for centuries. In conclusion there's not one right way to be Gen Z but of course we are viewed as a more unique generation I would say. Break time, this is your intermission block. I repeat, this is your intermission block. Pause here so you can make yourself some drinks, snacks, get yourself more comfy, possibly finish something off that's been bugging in your mind, and I'll see you in a bit. So, to the people who have paused and, you know, they've replenished their drink and snack load and they've got themselves even more comfy, hi, welcome back. And to the people who haven't and they've just continued to listen, welcome back as well. On this second part of this episode we're going to be trying to dive into more the sense of the common aspects of gen z so let's get into it i guess so during the 2000s and especially the 2010s youth subcultures that was influential as what existed during you know 1990s became scarcer and more quieter at at least in real life however on the internet it's more ridden with irony and self-consciousness due to the awareness of incessant peer surveillance For instance, in Germany, youth appears more interested in more mainstream lifestyles, with goals such as finishing school, owning a house in the suburbs, maintaining friendship and family relationships, alongside stable employment, rather than popular culture, glamour or consumerism. Or is that consumerism? Anyways, you get my point. Boundaries between the different youth subcultures appear to have been blurred and nostalgic sentiments have risen. For example, although the aesthetic dubbed it Court in 2018 has been around for many years, it has become somewhat of a subculture for Generation Z, especially on the various social media networks in the wake of the mass lockdowns imposed to combat the spread of Covid-19. I know I said Generation Z, don't come for my ass, it's Generation Z. According to Wikipedia, it's described as a form of escapism and aspirational nostalgia, cottagecore becoming even more popular thanks to the commercial success of the 2020 album Folklore by singer and songwriter Taylor Swift. Nostalgia culture among Generation Z even extends to the usage of automobiles in some countries such as Indonesia, having social media communities surrounding the purchasing of used cars from earlier decades. Now, being a Gen Z myself, I can't exactly say anything bad when it comes to old cars, because even I want old cars. I tell you, the things that I would do to get myself a Dodge Charger, a 1970s Dodge Charger, just like Vin Diesel, is epic. You can't even comprehend the amount of shit I do just to get that car. And like, while these are like implicit ways to figure out if someone is a Gen Z or not, there are more explicit ways. Now, to answer this question, we have CL on the line, and this is their answer. Now, according to CL, the ways in which you can look out for someone who is probably a Gen Z is through their clothing, with all the aesthetics and the cores and stuff like that, and kind of their hair, examples being the ego haircuts, the chokers, the chains and long stuff like that. Now, a survey conducted by OnePoll found that while museums and heritage sites remained popular amongst British people between the ages of 18 and 30, 19% of them did not visit one in the previous year. There was a big gender gap in attitudes, with 60% of female respondents and 26% of males saying that they never visited museums before. In short, Gen Z people prefer staying home and watching television or browsing social media networks to visiting museums or galleries, which I find a little bit just a little bit hypocritical from the fact that that’s what most like aesthetics are made out of. The researchers also found that cheaper tickets, more interactive exhibitions, a greater variety of events, more food and beverage options, among millennial and Generation Z consumers. Now personally, I'd say that the reason for this is due to media and film and kind of a little bit of shifting too. Now, I usually find that the reason why vintage clothes are becoming more popular is due to the whole vibe of what is called light and dark academia. The only way I can explain these two aesthetics is basically saying, yo, imagine if you were posh living in the 80s Running in a gallery, a museum, or a library with your partner. Or meeting the love of your life in that same place. Now I wish there was another way to explain it, but there isn't. Like that is the easiest way to explain this aesthetic. And it's in like a lot of media and film and it's like getting more popular. A big example being the representation of the Marauders era from Harry Potter. So, Lily, Sirius, Remus, all them people. And like, this kind of European medieval castle vibes everyone just seems to like. Specifically, non-Europeans. And the whole themes of escapism and shifting and being able to have this opportunity of going to a different universe that you know and love without actually having to go anywhere is just the thing that people love. People will never get bored of it either, that's a big thing. People don't get bored of this stuff. Heck, it's not even just for that aesthetic, it's for every aesthetic in the world. And more. Heck, it's not even for just aesthetics, it's for fandoms too. Basically, anything tangible in the world that could be changed into some form of reason that people dress up or people do things, you know that anything tangible can work and the reason why like this stuff is getting really popular netflix netflix and amazon prime for example a 2019 report by childwise found that children between the ages of 5 and 16 in the UK spend an average of three hours each day online around 70% watched Netflix within the past week and only 10 watched their favorite programs on TV now, among the people who watched on-demand shows 58% did so on a mobile phone 51 on a TV set 40% via a tablet 35% on a gaming console, and 27% on a laptop. On top of this, around 1 in 4 came from families with voice command computer assistants, such as Alexa. YouTube and Snapchat are the most popular gateways for music and video discovery. Childwise also finds that certain television series that aired within the 1990s and early 2000s, such as Friends, proved popular among the young people in the 2010s. This is our way of getting nostalgia and like connecting to our parents more than ever. For example, for me, it's music. My whole family lives within performing arts. Literally, my grandma was a blooming theater actress. My dad took English literature. My mum took drama, and somehow I'm doing this. Anyway, my point is, is that most of my family has been in some part of arts, whether that be literature or performing. And my mum, my mum loved music. Um, It's just a thing, my mum just loves her music and she listens to it all the time So it came as no surprise that the way to communicate with my mum was through music And the amount of 80s to 90s songs that I know there's a lot. Some of them I don't even blimmin' remember. My point is, is that that's how the communication works. Being able to communicate through common ground is just the best thing ever. Especially if it's with two people from completely different generations. It's just nice. Now, during the first two decades of the 21st century, writing and reading fanfiction became a prevalent activity worldwide. Demographic data from various depositories revealed that those who read and wrote fanfiction were overwhelmingly young in their teens and 20s. 20s and most of the time female. For example, an analysis published in 2019 by data scientists Cecilia Aragon and Katie Davis at the site fanfiction.net, which I used a lot, showed that some 60 billion words of content were added during the previous 20 years by 10 million English speaking people. Those median ages were 15 and a half years old. Fanfiction writers based their work on various internationally popular cultural phenomena such as K pop, Star Trek, Harry Potter, Twilight. Doctor Who, Star Wars, and various works of Walt Disney, known as Canon, as well as other things that are considered important to their lives, like natural disasters. Much of fanfiction concerns the romantic pairing of fictional characters of interest, or shipping. Aragon and Davis argued that writing fanfiction stories could help young people combat social isolation and hone in their writing skills outside of school in an environment of like-minded people where they can receive anonymous, constructive feedback. What they called distributed mentoring. Informatics specialist Rebecca Black added that fanfiction writing could also be a useful resource for English language learners. Indeed, the analysis of Aragon and Davies showed that for every 650 reviews a fanfiction writer receives, his or her vocabulary improved by one year of age though this may not generalise to older cohorts. On the other hand, children browsing fanfiction content might be exposed to cyberbullying, crude comments and other inappropriate materials. Now, coming from someone who, like, did actually solidly write fanfiction and I still do, I guess I can understand. Now, I did try using fanfiction.net and I hated it. It's just the format was not that great. Reading wise, it's the best. And I agree with the analysis stating that like when you're reading more, especially fan fiction, your vocabulary gets better. I normally read it and it normally helps me out whenever I'm writing stories. To be honest, I haven't read one in ages, but I think for writing purposes, I probably prefer Wattpad, which I've been using before it was even like a proper, like, oh my days, this is like an aesthetic like thing. And it was popular. I was using it before it was popular. Anyway, that's not the point point. and i swear like one of my stories has like 2.4k reads or something like that anyways i'm rambling the point is i understand this like fan fiction bit gen z is full of this shit and i find it funny too because like the amount of like x readers and y and muts and all this, this and that there's so many of them and i wish people would stop but you know people aren't going, to, so we might as well just part up with it. And um, as for the age part, yeah, I was quite young when I started writing them. I think my first fan fiction was when I was around fourteen. So can they blame me? Not really. It helped out though. Heck, I'm writing an original story and I love it. But I wouldn't have done that without my fan series or my fan fiction. So credits to them, I guess. And with that, I think it's the end of the episode. Before you do finish off this episode, please, for the love of God go to instagram and follow omnisexual.pride it is highly appreciated you can also check out my youtube jkiraz k-i-r-a-z and also check out my own instagram J.co.underscore. also spread more words about this podcast it's just nice anyways thank you ever so much for listening and i hope to see you soon cheers bye